Welcome back to the Multipod. It's a pleasure to have everyone here listening to us today. Thank you for your time. Thanks for uh, taking the chance to listen to our episodes for everyone who's done so over the last little while. Uh, we always appreciate uh, having your company here as we share the stories of members of the Puttyverse. So my name's Ted. I'm one of your co-hosts today. I'm very happy to be joined by Christy. How are you doing, Christy? I'm doing very well. Thanks, Ted. Yeah. And our special guest today is Jessica Tudos, who is joining us live from Toronto. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> so she is not only a fellow Canadian for me, but uh, we realized that we have a lot in common because I, I grew up in a place called Peterborough, which is northeast of Toronto, about an hour and a half. And Jessica lived and worked there, too, at about the same time when I was there at the same university. And we like we know all the same people and the neighborhoods. So this is another great Puttyverse connection. <laughs> we wind up in the same circles. Small world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we're going to get to know lots about Jessica and her story, uh, which is a great one. She's had a, a, a classic multi-potentialite life of... All kinds of different jobs, experiences, traveling. She's been in the Olympics. She's, uh, you know, lived and worked all around the world and different kinds of things. And we're going to hear all about it. So I guess for starters, Jessica, what keeps you busy these days? The last, maybe the last few months, the last little while. What, do, what are you working on these days? All right. Well, that's a good place to start. So, mm. well, like most people, COVID has been an interesting shift in how to work and how to live. So based here in Toronto, I live right downtown Toronto. And most recently, I've been focused, I guess, in two areas. I've been an educator my whole life. So that's my my formal training is in experiential education. So learn by doing. And so I currently teach part-time at Seneca college and I teach strategy okay. skills, like success skills. I teach like the, the life skills, the things that will help you no matter what you do, what you study, what job you get. So I really, really enjoy that. I work mostly with first semester students. So being in post-secondaries was, is a great place and it's online now. My other hat is entrepreneurial. I've always been, I, I consider myself an edupreneur. So entrepreneurial side has been many things as we might get into. Most recently, I've been working to help people manage their clutter and their stuff and their schedule. And so really helping to minimize overwhelm because it, you know, our lives are so busy. There's so much going on. So I'm very practical in my approach to decluttering and organizing and prioritizing. And with that, I mean, I do that in the physical space. So before I would go into homes or home offices and, and, or businesses and help to, you know, streamline the the processes and what's going on, but now I'm doing it online. So that's been really interesting to, to transfer to an online setting to help people. Yeah. Just get like live easier and work easier and try to stay focused, which is really hard hard for all of us. So it's very satisfying work. I love it. I I look forward to doing it. And so we'll see where that goes. So that's, yeah, that's what's keeping me busy. What's the profile maybe of uh, your typical client and where would you usually find them? Well, I don't know about typical. (laughs) It's kind of like the, (laughs) the putty verse, right? Like what's typical, but yeah, I mean, usually it is people who are are living full lives. They've got busy lives. They have lots of projects and passions and, and things on the go. Maybe they have families, but whatever 
is happening. It's, it's happening quickly and it's sometimes overwhelming. It's just too much. And so when we start with decluttering and, and focusing in on what's essential to live in and work in, then we get at what's going on internally sometimes, right? The mental stuff, like what, what is your mindset? What, what's going on? Like what's holding you back. And if I can help clear that and find solutions that make it easier to do the things that matter, the things you're really passionate about, then that's what I do. So I have a whole, I have a, like a five-step system. You'll love this. It's called the Tudos technique. <laughs> so very easy cool. to remember and it's five steps. And I tell you, it works whether you've yeah got clutter on your kitchen counter or on in your digital files or whatever in your head. So it's, it's really effective. Nice. Did you evolve to that work view over the last little while? Is it something that you set out to build and create for yourself? Oh, gosh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like many multi-potentialites, I would think um, I somewhat fell into it. Although if I think about it, probably not. But it's not. I mean, most of my career has not been, I, I'm going to go do this and then I'm going to do this and this is next. Not at all. It's been a, oh gosh, an adventure of like opportunities present themselves. And then I sort of put myself out there and then there's a new connection and then, Hey, have you tried this or thought of this? So that's, that's been my whole life. I know you mentioned the Olympics and maybe we can talk about that later, but people always ask me like, so did you, were you born like as a little girl, did you dream about the Olympics? I'm like, no, (laughs) not really. I just (laughs) like doing this. I like sports and I was an energetic kid that needed an outlet. So I did many sports and I happened to really like gymnastics and went deep, but I didn't plan it. And so like this work, I didn't plan it. I, I met someone who was doing home staging, like she, you know, staging the home before selling. And she's like, yeah, people have to, like, they have so much stuff. They need to, they need help getting rid of it. Cause often we're attached emotionally to our stuff. I mean, that's, that's a real common thing, right? So how do we move past that? So I started doing it and I learned for, with others on a team And I realized that what I really, really enjoyed and what I was really good at was working one-on-one and and bringing in the mindset piece and bringing in some of the, the, I would say, almost counseling, you know, aspect of it. Like, what are the challenges that are presenting themselves and how can we get past them? How can I help you get past them? Yeah. Without judgment, without judgment, because oftentimes people sure. feel really guilty, like, oh, you know, I, you can't see my house, it's too messy, or we should just be able to take care of this ourselves. And it's like, no, you yeah. know what? It's hard. Sometimes yeah, it it's time. really hard. And so having someone there to push you and help you and sort of explain and, and motivate and inspire, that's my role. Very cool. Is the business at a point you're happy with? In the way it is right now, do you see it maybe expanding, growing, or changing, evolving in certain ways? You're kind of content with where it is right now. Oh, I don't know if content is a word that I would <laughs> use very often in my life. <laughs> um, so it's interesting that you choose that word. I, I would like to think that content is, is definitely what I'm shooting for, but it's hard to get there, as as maybe others will understand. I've always been so curious and so determined to to sort of seize the day, the the seize life really. And so, you know, kind of 
limiting it or stopping it or or it's it's sort of a strange concept to be honest so i think no uh, to answer your question i'd like to it to evolve Um, there are different ways i really like speaking about it like again the educator in me is really excited when i can facilitate sessions that open up people to the idea of what's essential who are you right now and what do you need in your life right now to make things work So I love teaching. I like facilitating. I like speaking. So I think I'd like to, you know, increase that and, and sort of increase my visibility. I'm also really excited to write and I've been doing a lot of writing. Actually, I've written lots of blogs for my own business, but also for um, an organizing company. So I started writing about the things that are involved. And so that's been really fun. And I've got a few books. (laughs) I know I have a few books in me. And so I'm, I'm working on that. Oh, that's great. Mm -hmm. One of my most joyful projects is actually a kid's book that I did write about nine years ago now. And I think it, at the time, I didn't realize how much it exemplifies not only my life as a multi-potentialite, but other people can relate because it's called Kika, the upside down girl. And it's about this adventurous girl who loves being upside down but others want her to stay right side up. They, they're sort of pressuring her to stay right side up like everybody else. And she's, she's not into that, right? Like she, she sees it, that that's not, that's not my path. And so it's hard because she's sad about it and frustrated and until she finds her people in the gymnastics, what I call emporium, it's a kid's book, so it's fun. And so in that place, she finds, you know, joy and, and finds acceptance and finds her people. And so I I wrote that book because there were no books about gymnasts, like characters. It was all like how to do a cartwheel. (laughs) It's like, no, no, no. I know how to do a cartwheel. (laughs) (laughs) So I I figured out how to do it. I knew nothing about kids books or how to do one, but I crowdfunded. I figured out crowdfunding and and did that whole thing. And it's been honestly one of the high, like high points of my creative projects. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So, so I'd like to. Write a book kind of as a follow-up, like Kika That's grown. She's grown up now. What what is what has she learned? What are her oh, lessons? I like that. Yeah, I think it relates a lot to how people in the puttyverse, I keep hearing when people come in and they're just like, I thought I was the only one, or there aren't a lot of people like me. And then they come into the puttyverse and they're like, Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> you know, all of you have such diverse interests too. So that's cool. I love the fact that you've already written a book about that from a kid's perspective because that can be especially hard when kids, even when they go to school and they're kind of told, you know, however they should be and they can't be that if that that's not who they are. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. And and when I do speak, I mean, in, in the first, especially in the first couple of years of the book's release, I, I spoke at many gyms and schools and libraries and, you know, where kids are. And I mean, it was amazing because kids got it. They got it right away. Like not only would they go upside down to show me that they got it because <laughs> it was all about, you know, flipping. And I have these fun words like fliptastic and somersault delicious. And, you know, it's, it's a fun yeah. book. And they would show me. And then they were like, yeah, I want to do that. Like I want to find, you know, find my thing and, and do do what I like. And, you know, they, at five years old, they're saying it. And, and it's really interesting when the parents and the coaches who are, whoever's around the adults are kind of listening to this story and going, oh, right. Okay. Important to keep in mind. Yeah. 
So it was, it was a wonderful way to communicate that message through a creative project, like a book. Was the, was the, was the book a reflection on your childhood? And, and in turn, did you know as a child without knowing the actual term, but essentially that you were a multi-potentialite, that you were going to follow some kind of path like that? Oh, such a good question. I, I wouldn't know. I didn't know. I don't know what it was in me that I guess I've always been a risk taker and, and maybe that I think it comes from my parents. So just a little bit about my, my background, my parents came to Canada. So my father was born in Hungary and my mother was born in Colombia in South America. So my dad had to leave Hungary during the war, went to South America, met my mother, and then they wanted to go to the States actually, but they couldn't get in. And so they came to Canada as like this, the second choice. So I'm thinking, huh, really? Okay. And so they built a life here in Canada and my sister and I were born here, but they were flight attendants, both of them. That's actually how they met. And so that kind of life is pretty adventurous, especially at that time. And so I think I got that from them, that, that sense of adventure and that sense of trying things out and, you know, when I was a young kid, I, I had a lot of energy and I did many different, my parents were smart. They put me in sports. And so I tried, you know, I did figure skating. I did diving. I did gymnastics. I did ballet. I, I did all the things like once a week, but the gymnastics stuck. Like I kept asking for more and eventually I didn't want to do those other things. And so that's how I got into gymnastics. There was something about trying new things and, and figuring it out and, mastering these skills that were never ending like there were there was always the next one to try and so that's how i think that's what got me i didn't that, that's kind of a multi-potentialite right like there's there's the challenge of the next thing the next project the next version that is is sort of compelling me to move forward and so i did that as a kid um, and I, I guess it just kept going, but yeah. I, I couldn't name it. I didn't. Yeah. And it takes a lot of drive. I, I think when you're at that level or once you decide, it sounds like once you decided you wanted to go gymnastics, you just went, you went down that path. So I'm curious what, what age that became, because you said you were in the, I, I snuck a look mm. at your profile to see that when yeah. was she in the Olympics? And so I was like, at age 15, that's so young, but but relative to other Olympians, I suppose that's for gymnastics. That's a, that's a, but tell me more about that. I'm curious. Again, I, I wouldn't say I fell into it, but I, mean, I was doing lots of things and, and that one just seemed to stick. And so I kept going and then I went to a, a, a summer camp. I remember this. And at the time, Elfie Schlegel, I don't know, Ted, if that name rings a bell, but she was the best gymnast in the country for a long time. And she was like the poster girl for gymnastics and all that. And she was at the camp and I was like, oh my gosh, I, I want to be her. I will. So that's when I, that the light bulb went off. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to go to do gymnastics. And I went to a club that was the elite club in the Toronto area where she went. And so I started, I think I went, I had a tryout. Oh my God, that was really scary. The tryouts, (laughs) but I think that was at eight. I was eight when I went there and I started training. And so I think between like sort of at nine, 10, that was when it became serious, like 30 hours a week. So that was right at nine and 10 years old. Yeah. So you have to be a kid who wants to do that. Like you can't be forced. No way. 
Because you're at that club, a club of that level, is it fair to say at least there's a possibility, all you kids here, that this could lead to the Olympics? Like, are you aware of that at that uh, level? You see one or two among okay. 40 or 50. So it's not a sure thing. No, no. Hmm. But you see the potential. You see that the coach right. is the world championship. She went to the world championships with this team. And then this person went to the Olympics. And, you know, so my coaches, husband and wife team, Mary Lee and Jeff Palmer, they're awesome. They were tough. She was tough. Uh, and he was kind of the teddy bear. <laughs> so together they were good, but they knew what they were doing. I mean, they really did. And, you, you know, parents had to trust. Now I'm a parent. I'm like, oh my God, I'd send my kid there. And you couldn't watch. You couldn't like that. They're like, if you bring your kid here, you need to trust us. So my parents did and I went and I, you know, and then I improved and I got better and I got better. And then it was the provincial team and then the national team. I was on the national yeah. team when I was 12, like it's really young. And my first trip wow. was to the Netherlands and I was 12 years old. And my, I remember being at the airport and my parents, you know, they have to send me off. I'm 12 years old <laughs> like with this team and coaches. And it was a big deal. But I grew up quickly yeah. in that respect. I grew up really quickly. And it's really funny that I, now that I think about those, like between 12 and 15, like before the Olympics, we traveled quite a bit as Team Canada and went, you know, to South America or to Mexico, I think, and to Asia and to Europe. So there were some, you know, quite a few traveling competitions. And I would always try to seek out the cultural things in the city my teammates, not so much. They were like, oh, we'll just stay at the hotel. We'll watch TV, whatever. And I'd be like, no, but where's the monument yeah. or the market or the, I want to buy this or, you know, what like, cool. I was always really curious always. And so that kind of stood out to me even then. So yeah, 15 was the Olympics. Yeah. 1984. 1984. The hardest part, like people often say like, How, what, were you nervous and all that? I was like, I was nervous at the trials. I was nervous about making the team. Once I made the team and I did really well at the trials, I was so relieved because I, I placed second like, out of everyone. So I, I was on the team for sure. The Olympics were kind of like, there was a release <laughs> and it was like, just go and do your best. You know, we weren't medal favorites. So there was no super pressure other than do your best. So that was my Olympic experience. It was really quite pleasant. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it wasn't, I didn't feel this tremendous stress. No, it was, it was another adventure. Yeah. I, I was going to ask what advice you would give to <laughs> the Olympians who are there now, because it, it feels like there is a sense of pressure. Like some of them just oh. put so much pressure on themselves. And it makes me sad when I think, well, if you make a mistake or something like they're like, I'm letting yeah. my whole country down. It's like, no, you're, you're just doing your sport the best you can. I don't know. Oh, it's heartbreaking to see. I mean, there's the, mm -hmm. that's the Olympics, right? The, the, the joys, the, the challenges, the, the winners, yeah, the losers, intense. like all of that. It's all, I think it's humanity, right? That, that is what I think the Olympics, you know, brings together all these, all these athletes and everybody that's supporting them to one place. And then you see these, ah, oh, these competitions, like what happens, you never know. And, and I can, yeah, I can really relate to the, the, the emotional piece of it, because even though I said it was 
for myself and my experience with no pressure to win a medal or anything like that. It's still like, you want to do a good job. My God, you've been training so long and you want to do your country proud. And, you know, you're marching out such a highlight to march out into the stadium, like representing Canada. We were in the front row because we're short, right? The gymnasts were (laughs) short. So we were in the, (laughs) it was great. So we were right at the front behind Alex Bauman, the swimmer. And uh, that was a moment. That was a real moment. So yeah, you want to, you want to do your country proud. And so it's heartbreaking when I see athletes, like when things go wrong and, Oh, it's, I can feel it. I can feel it. Life goes on. Yeah. But life goes on, you know, I mean, things move forward and it is a moment in time and then things move on. When you were there experiencing it, were you kind of, I mean, even though you're young, were you conscious that this could be, you know, the one and only time you're in the Olympics. This mm-hmm. is like the maybe even the climax of that journey, that part of your life. Hmm. I don't know if I thought about it like that. I don't. I I wasn't aware. I, I think in at the Olympics again. I I was really. If I look back now, I think good for me for being present. Like I felt <laughs> like I really enjoyed the experience. You know, we we traded pins. Oh, I remember we went bowling with the, like the American <laughs> handball team. We watched we would get tickets to sports that had tickets to, you know, that we could go to when we weren't training or when our competition was done. And we did that with other, you know, from athletes from around the world, we would go and watch whatever sailing or or diving or, you know, and so those moments, that was the, those were real highlights. The competition was the competition. Like it sort of was separate (laughs) for me and I, and I wanted to do a good job and, and do what I had trained to do. But this other piece, the cultural, global interchange of like all of that, that was, that was amazing. That was, that's the Olympics, you know? So somehow now I think, oh, you know, especially with COVID, there's less of that. So I sort of feel for some of the athletes, but I think it's still there in ways. It is. Yeah. But that's what I really take from that experience is, yeah, you work your butt off. Like it's hard work to get to that level. And and I worked a lot and a lot of sacrifices but then to actually enjoy the what comes of it is amazing. Afterwards then, because that was your only Olympics, but did mm-hmm. you choose to not keep pursuing that afterwards? <laughs> did you want to keep on that route? Or because I'm trying to make a link now as a multi-potentialite, <laughs> again, whether you knew it or not, but just instinctively yep. that you knew you didn't want to commit to get to that one yep. thing. You want to do other things, right? Even when you're like 16 years old or whatever. Absolutely. I think you nailed it. I didn't know. But I knew, oh my gosh, another four years of the same thing. Wow. I'm not sure that's for me. So I did two more years and then I was like, no, I'm ready for something new. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly it. I never thought of that. (laughs) But yeah, that's what happened. So I actually started diving. Like I needed, I I needed to stop gymnastics because my body was also like having a moment, puberty, all, all that stuff. So, but I had a lot of energy still. So I channeled it into, into diving. And then I went to the States on a scholarship and uh, eventually went back to gymnastics to finish my first university degree at Arizona state. Cause they had a great gymnastics team and they're like, can you come back? <laughs> so I did for a few years. So I did gymnastics one more, one more hurrah at the NCAA level. And I competed for Arizona State. And then I was done. Then I knew I was really done. 
and and then I yeah then it was on to some other things <laughs> like you said <laughs> how many jobs did you say you've had quote unquote jobs Oh, <laughs> uh, well, somebody asked me one day, so I actually sat down and I went, I've kept all my resumes over the years. And so I counted and it was, I think I got up to 66. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and going right. And continuing. <laughs> and, yes. That's awesome. And you talked about portfolio careers and I'm curious about that. Like, are you count? Yeah. Were, was that mostly in a portfolio career kind of thing? Or were you working full time in some of those roles? So yeah, it's been a mix. It's been a mix of different formats, I could say. Up until recently, it's been hard to categorize what I do or you know what my career is because I didn't I didn't know how to do that. And so being part of the Puttyverse most recently has has really sort of solidified like, oh my God, yes, this is this is what it is. And for years I've called it a portfolio career because if you imagine a portfolio and I'm thinking an art portfolio where you you open up this this beautiful <laughs> package of all these creative you know things that you've done and and I feel like yeah that's been my career it's not one thing I would say education is the through line like that's the foundation but within that there's all these different it's a short contract it's a summer position it's a two year thing you know like they show up differently but i like the idea of having a portfolio to me feels really alive and and vibrant and creative so that's what i yeah. have come to call it yeah, that's great <laughs> yeah and and i guess when i started that like when i really understood that maybe even like about 20 years ago, I realized, wow, I've been fighting this. So mm. this is something that yeah. is not easy to accept. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you. Have you encountered resistance in you know the people you work with, potential employers, and just any kind of social circles? And people inevitably ask, well, what do you do? And yada, yada. And have you encountered resistance then I mean, with people saying, well, gee, you've had a lot of jobs, or why can't you choose the one thing, or et cetera, et cetera, right? Which you probably have, but how do you mm -hmm. respond to that then? I mean, because mm -hmm. that's such a thing for multi-potentialites. Yes. Like, we yeah. have to find the courage in ourselves totally. to, like, almost defend ourselves and say, no, I wanted, I chose to live my life this way. I did not want to have yeah. that one career, even if it was possible. You know, I purposefully choose to have different careers and try different things. You can call it portfolio. is a great description. It's yeah. like, but, you know, people don't understand it, mm. and there's that pushback. How have you been able, mm. how have you encountered that and dealt with it? you know, over like 20 plus years. Yeah, actually probably 30. Like if I think about it, even back to university days when, you know, I had my major, but I was like pushing to take classes in other departments and had to get, you know, special this and that signatures to be able to do it because that's not what we do. That's not part of this thing. So I guess I've always been doing that. <laughs> I didn't, you know, in so many ways. And yeah, I think but honestly, the greatest resistance for a long time was myself, because I think I was searching for how to fit in. Like, how, how does this work in, in society when I see jobs and, okay, I have to do all these things and it seems okay. And at first it's, it's quite okay. And then, wow, a few months in, and I've tried many of these jobs earlier on, um, I realized, oh my God, I can't do this. Like, it's too rigid. It's too, too program. It's too something. Yeah. So I think that's when the entrepreneurial piece kind of kicked in. And for me, having a balance of some paid, structured, consistent work 
with the entrepreneurial freedom to choose work has been a very good balance for me. So that's, I think, how I've dealt with some of the, you know, uncertainties about it's not all or nothing, I guess, in my mm-hmm. case, I've, I've had the teaching be the, the, the foundation, which allows me then to go out and feel the freedom to create and to take chances and to risk because let's face it financially it's not easy to balance all these jobs and and you know you have to put your put yourself out there all the time if you're going to do short contracts and this and that like how do you make a consistent income and live in a way that's comfortable you know you have to figure that out right so for for me that's how <laughs> i figured it out i i kept the educational that's good advice yeah, yeah. i kept those the sort of part-time. So the resistance, yeah, my family for a while at first, like, oh, what are you doing now? Like, I never know what to tell my friends. I'm like, oh, just tell them I'm, you know, they're like, are you a teacher? I'm like, "Mm, yeah, on Mondays, on Mondays, I teach, (laughs) you know, like, right. And on Tuesdays, I do this and Wednesday. So I just, at a certain point, I mean, but you have to go through that process, I think for, for Mm -hmm. yourself, because like, once I felt confident in my choices, then it was easier to say, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I have this really interesting career. And these are some of the things that I've done and and some of the really cool projects that we put out there. But that comes with maturity as well, I think. Yeah, 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 life experience. I mean, now in in my, you know, early 50s, I can say like, I've had years of it. And now I'm, I'm excited by it and confident in the choice. But that wasn't always the case when I was younger. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you have mastered a lot of skills because your versatility to be able to do so many things. I'm, you know, I'm just curious. I I think that that that's coming for more people I'm seeing in the marketplace, but, but the workplace hasn't caught up. I think. Mm -hmm. Oh, I agree. (laughs) I I totally agree with you. Like, I mean, in some cases, you know, in some industries, it's more progressive, I would say, and more sort of the idea of like, how to adapt. I mean, that's such a skill. Like how can you adapt to your environment? And COVID showed us in a huge way how to do that. Right. I mean, it's kind of forced us, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, you need to be online now and figure this out. So we do have the ability to adapt. And I think like when I teach young people at the college and, and when I am teaching, I mean, that's really what I'm trying to impart is that, okay, let's learn how to adapt to the, the situation that presents itself let's draw out the confidence in, in your voice and your words and who you are to be able to make choices that make sense for you. Because there will be many people telling you not to do that. Probably your parents, you know, the, the expectations to kind of go into a certain way of, of working or living, they're out there. They're out there. So yeah, you come up against that a lot. But I agree. I think in our sort of fast paced moving world, there's more and more people who with portfolio careers and with multi potential <laughs> light, you know, lives. So let's celebrate that. But first, we have to understand it, I think more. Right. I like the idea of a lot of us in the puttyverse in our own ways in our own networks and so on, just getting that word out there that this exists, that it's a thing, that it's a strength that is benefits to it for, for businesses and organizations, right? To not just hire specialists, you need generalists, you need people with that perspective. And we're all kind of in our own way, as I say, working to just get that message out there, mm-hmm. slow and steadily. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I was curious because um, I was noticing sort of the coaching aspect of what you offer. And I love the decluttering aspect too. Mm-hmm. I think even as a multipod, you know, I can get a little bit too scattered between too, too many different things at once. And I don't, when I read Emily's book, I really loved the idea that the careers can look different ways. She has like those four different career models. And I Mm. love this idea of like, you pick your top, you know, two or three things at one time, and then you kind of put the others on the back burner. (laughs) And I wonder if that's been part of your experience too, is like you have a couple main focus areas and you sort of declutter the rest for now and you maybe put it in a drawer or whatever. I mean, I'm curious about that because it's metaphorical, but it sounds like you also work with people on that. Yeah, no, that's, that's really true. I mean, I think one of the challenges of being a multi-potentialite is having all these ideas all the time. I mean, there is like, I love talking about ideas. That's like so energizing and exciting ideas, ideas, but you can only do so much. <laughs> you can only focus in on so many things. And so, yeah, like to pick again, going back to the balance of what's bringing you perhaps income that that's one big bucket, but also satisfaction and joy. And then for, for me, there's the creativity, like I'm a really creative person. So how do I, how does that show up for me in my work? right now it's through writing. So that's very cool. But before it was through other things. So I think maybe getting at the core, like what are your core elements or, you know, what, what sort of drives you and then to say, or to look at, okay, what roles, what jobs, what fulfills that part of me? And if I can fill those three teaching, coaching, creating, it doesn't really matter what I do as long as those are fulfilled those parts right. of me those parts of me and that shows up in many different roles or many different ways right and yeah. over the years that changes it sounds cohesive it sounds cohesive in the way you've done it yeah cool yeah because yeah you can get down on yourself for not doing all the things because there's just too mm-hmm. you know you have to prioritize and focus and do those are hard things <laughs> those aren't always easy i mean i've struggled with that yeah takes time to figure it out, some trial and error. Well, and and this idea of figuring it out, I think we get better, we get better and better, or we get more in alignment of knowing who we are and what works for us. But I'm not sure we ever figure it out. Really? Like, I think it just keeps going. (laughs) It it shifts and it moves and it it does different things. But I think sometimes the danger is trying to figure it out and then feeling like you're, you're never there. You never get there. And so it's kind of disappointing. So maybe the maybe the shift is to to say, okay, I, I'm just figuring out this this small thing right here, right yeah. in front of me, right I now, and and then the next, and the next. Yeah, I feel we live lives. We tend to take things maybe a step at a time. That step could be a year or two or something. But you know, it's hard to really think where you're going to be in five years because so much is going to change, which would change in the world anyway. But you know, part of it's accepting that, I suppose. But just saying, look, if if I, I, I do find myself coming back to the term content because I want to be content mm-hmm. and happy and enjoying the moment where I'm at, mm-hmm. it may not last forever. It will change. But at least right now, you know, I'm doing my best to set up my life, live my life and have the balance. And as you say, all the different uh, buckets that we, we try to satisfy mm-hmm. and have that kind of contentment and then just keep evolving as time passes, things change and evolve and try to keep that measure of of happiness, yeah. you know. 
I love that. So, that's that's so yeah. that's yeah. such a nice <laughs> way of putting it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Because I think sometimes we set the bar so high for ourselves, and we might be really hard on ourselves, right. you know, to expect so yeah. much. And and I think that can get us down a bit, especially as multi potentialites. Because as I was saying, yeah. like, there tends <laughs> to be no slowdown of ideas, no slowdown of possibilities. Yeah. So what, what do you do with that? You know, you have to, you have to contain it a little bit, even like, like when I talk about the decluttering, it's about containing your items, things that are in your life. And just at a, a really funny thing, like I was just working with someone yesterday and it, we, I talked about setting up like creativity stations. She's an artist. And so it's like, okay, you, you do all of these things and you want to be able to access them easily and quickly and not put them away and not hide them, right? Because that's not how she works. So let's create these creativity stations where it's all ready to go. And when you're feeling like, the, you know, you want to do clay, nice. then you go to your clay station. And when you feel like you want to write, you go to your writing station. And I don't know. I just think like, what, right a, what a cool yeah. way to think about life, right? Like you, you set up your, your stations. Like <laughs> and so you're, you're able yeah, cool. to access yeah, it when cool. you, when you feel that you're ready. Yeah. When you're ready. Yep. I yeah, like that's that. It's neat, yeah. right? I have my piano upstairs yep. and uh, I don't play it all the time. I try to, I, I mean, I do, but uh, I just knowing that it's there, I, all I need to do is yep. sit down. I don't need to unpack anything. Yes. I don't need to plug in the wires and all that. It's there. And just knowing that is, is again, yes. a, a contentment and a satisfaction, you know. I guess to wrap up, we often start our episodes asking this question. It's kind of nice to finish with it. How did you discover the Puttyverse <laughs> itself? How did you end up joining the group? Yeah. Oh, you are my people. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I think like so many. I mean, I I have known that I've I'm a I didn't know the term. Multi passionate was the term that I was more familiar with, and portfolioist. I've known this for quite a while now. And I, I don't actually know how I got to the video, but I did. I got to Emily's TED Talk and I was like, wow, there's the language. There's a structure to this that she's put out into the world that just captures so much of it. So, so yeah, it was like this beautiful, like, aha moment. Like, this is, yeah, this is how cool. I've been living my life. And here's somebody who's articulated it for me. <laughs> So that was lovely. And then joining the community, I'm, I'm new, like I just joined in December, so I'm still finding my way, but you know, I've done some huddles and I did a, a little like end of year workshopy thing. So that was fun. And yeah, really looking forward to continuing because it is so, I think that's contentment for me actually is, is finding connection with people where you, you don't have to explain yourself so much. <laughs> Yeah, it's that's really, such a big part of it. What a relief, right? What a relief. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's encouraging. Really encouraging. Well, is there any particular place, platform, website, or anything we can point people to that you like to refer people to to, to find what you're doing? Well, my website is just my name, jessicatudos.com. So you can find me there. And I've written some articles about, actually written one specifically about being multi-passionate and what that okay. looks like. So that might be really good. Sure. Great. Yeah, we'll put in the in the notes here for our episode. And hey, everyone Perfect. listening, you know, if you're in the Puttyverse, of course, you can reach out to Jessica, send a message, and I'm sure you'll see yeah, her in the huddles. And... Yeah. Thank you, Jessica. It's been really, really nice getting to know you and hear some of your story. Well, thanks so much for having me. This has been really, it's really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. It, it's like an illumination of what it is to be multi-potentialite. So thank you. 